This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Here we are again. We're Here talking we are. about Miss Takes. Who is Miss Takes? Is she a nice Miss lady? Takes, a lovely Miss lady. Takes. I'm not going to reveal in any way, shape or form the turns that this conversation takes, but suffice to say we are both utterly shocked. So we're in a state of shock. By what we've discovered yeah. about yeah. us as parents. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe I what we found I out. Li- I, I am reeling from what I've discovered. I'm, I, I'm if you said to me I'm this morning giddy. that this is what was going to happen by the end of today, how we were going to end up feeling as parents by the end of today, I would have said not possible. I feel like I'm hallucinating. Hello, hope you've had a lovely week. Someone said last week that we're bloody miserable. <laughs> and it's been quite... Ne- I have to confess, listener, we have been quite negative, And I-, I think there's been good reason for that. I think it's the fact that, you know, we've been in unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. We've had... It's challenging at the best of times being the parent of a teenager. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it's challenging being a parent, regardless of how old your children are. Mm. Then, you know, throw that parenting into this situation, lockdown... Mm. You know, coronavirus, pandemics, mm-hmm. depression, mental health crises, kids mm-hmm. not being able to do anything that they feel they want to do, their future's removed. It's very hard to be positive. It's not a jolly... This isn't... Mind you, I think we always find a certain amount I of humour. I think we find a gallows human things. But I suppose one of the common things that we do talk about in all of these chats on this, you know, on this in this series is how we could always do better as parents. I mean, I think yeah. me and you... I think do, a good parent yeah. constantly thinks they're a bad parent yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> or wants to improve absolutely. and is looking for some sort of validation or I mean I love reading articles I love listening to other people I love and I mean this is the podcast that I wish I could listen to with somebody else but I always love that definition that you gave a while back where you said in many regards the sign of being never a perfect parent because there is no such thing but the sign of being a, a good parent or a good enough parent is the fact that you're constantly double checking Reevaluating and looking at your own behaviour and making sure, you know, and always kind of thinking that you're not quite getting it right. Sometimes I feel so jealous of those parents that just don't question it. It's my way or the highway. It would be so much easier. I find them really intimidating, though, as so parents. I've met them in the school playground, oh, I, I meet them in workplaces, and they're parents that sort of have absolutely no ambiguities about how they feel about no, things. I'm so envious. Do you think that's where we're going wrong? Yeah. We should have just had really strict rules and boundaries and just not questioned anything. <laughs> we would have had a much easier life. But on that note, yeah. I was sort of scrolling around, looking around, Googling, mm. as one does the other day, and I saw this this article from the Washington Post. Seven mistakes parents make with teens. I thought, oh, oh this Christ. is good. I'm going to get a really clear seven yeah, mistakes yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we can work on them. Oh, OK. Well, I like that. I like a checklist that we can tick off. Yeah, and it's good because what I did was I, I, I sent the seven mistakes to Maddie and Carlitos oh, so we could get their take on them. On whether we were rubbish yeah. or not as parents. So I thought if we if we just have a bit of fun and a okay. bit of... Well, I mean, be- before you get, dive into that, because obviously they've got seven that they've decided on, what would you say when you look at our parenting? If you were, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether what we think are our mistakes mm. sit within these mistakes. Yeah. I'm coming to this, this article blind. I know you've read mm. it, but uh, so I'm curious to know. 
What do you think the biggest mistakes we've made are? Um, I think that we have wanted to be friends too much. Right. I think we've shied away from um, stepping up to the plate when we needed to. I think we've had woolly boundaries. Willy boundaries? Woolly. <laughs> <laughs> no, woolly, woolly boundaries. Boundary? I think that they have seen, I think that often we panic and we're stressed around them, so they see that. I mean, I can just go on forever. Yes, I, I think we those, haven't those done are, enough. Those are five or six that I. We even... haven't done enough of getting them out and about, playing sport with them, all that sort of stuff. But isn't the nature of being a parent that it's very easy? A bit like bang the mole or whatever it is, hammer the, you know, that game. There are for everything that you do achieve as a parent. It's mm. very easy to always home in on there. There's always something that you haven't done. No, but it? you said, what do you think of the mistakes? Yeah, and, I, and they're at the front of my mind the whole yeah, time. All the mistakes yeah. that I've made. Yeah. So, and I'm talking about myself. You know, and I think, yeah, I've, shy, I've shied away sometimes from what I know is right, of where I should have been pushier or really? tougher with them, yeah. Do you think that's being emotionally late? Do you think that... Because I think you're right. Yeah. I think where I think, we, I think I sometimes do benign neglect because it suits me, because right. I'm working hard, and I think sometimes if I think, oh, they're kind of all right and they haven't done that, which suits me because actually I've got all this work to do, I think I definitely do that. Yeah, I do worry. I worry that I've wanted to be their sort of hero too much and that I've allowed myself to not be stricter about certain things. And yet, at the same time, I do feel that I've tried to be... I try. I do feel like I've tried to instill them with a sense of where effort should be made in certain things. It's not like they're lazy and it's not like that they're, they're disinclined to kind of work things out for themselves. But Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of it, we've got two girls that we adore and yeah, actually a while back when I was of. saying, oh, I feel so bad, I've been such a bad parent. And Maddie said, it really, really annoys me when you say that. And I thought, why does it? I had a little sit down and a little mm. thought, obviously, because what it's going to mean to her is that we think that they've turned out bad. If we're saying we're a bad parent... Well, of course it would. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, hadn't even thought of that. I, I have to confess, I think you... I think you... But I don't, of course I don't think like that. I think in spite of where I think I've gone wrong, they're really lovely people. Right. That's how I so think. So you would never attribute any of their positive qualities to something you've done right as a parent? You don't. I notice you don't. Um, you often attribute it to me. I think it's their soul. I think they've been born with a good soul, so I think a lot of it's themselves. I think... Um, yeah, no, I can do. I mean, I know that we're both very kind people and they're both kind, really kind kids. Mm. Um, I think where sometimes there's some real laziness that I see, as I think anyone with teens would say, I think that we should have been, we should have pushed them harder, definitely. Mm. But then again, they're both quite happy and they're, they're, they're very motivated and they, they're doing their thing. So maybe I'm wrong in that. I mean, you could argue, I mean, especially from our homeschooling perspective, for example, mm. and their schooling situation, I would say that when I look back at their lives, two of the, the biggest mistake we've made, and Rita, coincidentally, there is a book coming out in September where we discuss this in much more detail. But I do think one of the biggest mistakes we made was the schools we chose to send them to. Oh, God, absolutely. Um, I think that was a cataclysmic mistake in some ways. And yet, at the same time, coming out of that mistake, which was a very specific sort of time event-like, mm. if you you know, mistake, has come so many opportunities for the girls and, and transformations and, and has opened so many horizons. So, again, it's a little bit like regrets, isn't it? Looking at what yeah. mistakes we've made. I think I should have played with them more. Mm. I should have, I wish I'd worked harder at them getting a friendship group from a very young age. Mm -hmm. 
um, outside of school, but because I was an older mum, so I didn't know anyone had kids of kind of the same age. I, I feel that was bad. I wish that, I think that, I wish they could see us socialising more as a with other families and mm. things like that. Um, I miss, I wish that they had more of what I had when I was growing up, which was a much bigger family and people in and out and like mm. big Sunday get togethers and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of mixed in with regrets. Isn't see, it? I think it's funny because, of course, my parenting splits into two parts. There's the parenting of Maddie and Kiki, mm. who are our two girls that, that obviously we've had together. And then there's Fleur and Izzy. And of course, whenever we're talking about confessions of a modern parent, more so than you necessarily, although obviously as a step parent, you've, you've had you've had your own massive involvement in the oldest girls' lives. I do. I can think of many mistakes I've made in the way in which I've been with Izzy and with Fleur. So, for example, not being mindful enough. And I think this is probably an important thing to hear for parents out there, absent parents who set up new families and have children from former relationships. I know for a fact that one of the biggest mistakes I've probably made over time and still have made even in their adult life is not protecting or cherishing or ensuring that there's solo time just between me and mm. my oldest girl, so but, but like just me and Izzy being together, which I is always felt that, which is happening a bit more in lockdown. Me and Fleur just mm. being together, you know. I do think that I've assumed as a you know as a dad who's had these two extra kids and with you and got a family that the that the oldest girls would just run to that want sort that of, family, yeah, absolutely. And I think and that, it doesn't that's mean a big that mistake. they didn't love us or they didn't want to. No, but and I always felt that anyway. And I used yeah. to say that to you all the time, yeah. didn't I? And so I used to I d- say to you all the time, take some time on your own. Because it's a really interesting word, mistake. You know, it's like you've you've done something wrong. You've made a misstep. You, you know, where you, you know, you can correct it or you can try and correct it. But, you know, it's a big thing. I it's mean, hindsight I th- productions. And we've said this many times on this podcast. You know, we're just every every single action that you take with your child is the first time that you're taking it. Because mm. each child is a complete individual and a different different soul and spirit and everything. So you are learning on the job all the time. Absolutely. And if you're not willing to fail, you can't succeed. And I think it's it's applicable to parenting too. Okay, well, let's have a look. What's, well, let's what, just what have a listing? bit of a look. So first one is, do you speak to your teens as if they are still little kids? Oh. And uh, then uh, John Duffy, clinical psychologist, says, you need to treat them more like adults than children. Truly listen and heed their point of view even if you disagree vehemently. 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 I can never say that. It's like I can't say Worcester's sauce. <laughs> we all want our point of view respected and your teen is no different. Now, yeah. I actually feel quite good about this. I think we're both really, okay, well, tell, really good at this. Well, should we... So so in a, in a snappy line, what is it? Do you talk to your children as if they're adults? Do you heed their point of view? Right. And we do. We will, and they, we let them get very passionate with us and argue with us, and then we'll say, "Yeah, no." And we t- sometimes it's really difficult with Maddie because she's right in this. Mm. So, no, no, no. I know. I hear what you're saying. Mm. It's just I don't agree, and I think we're really good at that with them. Well, I think we are. I think we're firm, and I think I've always, I think I probably did make a decision at quite a young age as a parent even with Izzy, to never patronise them. Yeah, and, do and that. never say, oh, you're too young it. to know that. I no, hate that. No, 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 absolutely. But I, I would I would go so far as to say, I think you think I have treated them too adult-like in conversation too early. Yeah, they know too much. So, for example, you know, I might, in my humour or in what I joke about or in my banter and all that kind of stuff, I notice that you, I notice you, you over the years, you've winced quite a bit because you think that I take things too far. But I would, in my defence, say that I've used almost to the opposite extent. I've tried to be 
almost overly adult with them so that they can learn about things. They can learn about what's right behaviour. They can sort of use me as a kind of almost a sort of dummy run on, no, that's not a right thing to say, Dad, or Dad, you're being a bit mm. extreme about that, or that joke's a bit too close to the bone type thing. But, I mean, um, I think to stick to this particular yeah. thing is we don't. Actually, that is one thing that we can have a tick on. Mm. We don't talk to them like little kids. No, we never we have. We do heed their point of view and we will discuss and give them respect. But I want to be really interested to hear whether Maddie agrees with that. Let's have a listen. Yeah. She might say the complete opposite. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? So it'll be good once we've gone through all of these to actually have a listen to Carlitos and Maddie's yeah. uh, comments on all of these yeah, in yeah. one go. I think they've, yeah. they've, they've kind of lined them up and they've knocked them out of the park. Uh, so that'd what be will they something say? to look forward to. So next one. Are you treating conversation with your teens as if it's a chore or an obligation? Um, conversations shouldn't always centre on lecturing. The occasional conversation may be a chore, a bit of a lecture or a focus on behaviour um, we as parents don't like, but the lion's share of the discussion has got to be connecting, talking, laughing and sharing. I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to say this, but I think we do that. Well, I don't want to cause an argument here, but I think we are both incredibly involved in what it is we're always doing with work and stuff like that. And I think sometimes it's very hard as a parent to be able to give the dedicated listening that the child feels you should be giving at the right time. It's oh, that's, often... a, that's the next one, though. That's multitasking. Well, no, no, should no, no, you no, not no, multitask talking... while you're listening? So let's do both those questions. Well, I suppose, same... yeah, but I mean, in a weird way. So what's so, okay, thing, I'm trying to understand it? the previous one then. So what... what... So, uh, um, do you, do you treat it like it's an obligation or a chore? Like, well, this is a I mean. conversation that I've got to have with you. Yeah. So we need to sit down now and have a conversation. Or is it just natural where you flow and you chat and you laugh and you... <clears throat> well, I suppose it, it depends It depends on what the agenda of the conversation is. Yeah. I mean, I think I have seen you and I'm sure you've seen me. So there's no sort of homing in on either one of us here. I've seen either one of us losing the will to live sometimes when the girls want to talk in the detail that they want to talk about something, not because we're not interested, but because we are distracted or it's not high up on our list of priorities or we're tired or, you know, we're exhausted from something. I think it's the same for every single parent. I think it's the same for every parent. And every relationship. I mean, the thing is, we do, don't we, tend to as parents say, you know, how do we do this with our team? How do we do this with any relationship? Mm. How do we, you know, I mean, as a husband and wife, Yes, it's always better to sit and really focused and mm. listen, but the dinner has to be done or the editing has to be done. You know, so you, you, but the other, there's a certain yeah, amount absolutely. of distraction when you're talking. And the other difficulty with any of this sort of like chore or obligation when it comes to talking with kids, I don't know if this is the case for most of you guys, listeners. Um, I mean, most kids really struggle physically and emotionally with any direct conversation. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, generally, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd like to say it's more symptomatic of, the, of this age group. But actually, if I think back to when I was younger, I wasn't particularly comfortable talking to adults in great long mm. sort of hunks of detail. So with your parents, I think a lot of kids these days really might feel like they want that direct 
kind of conversational sort of thing, but actually can't cope with it anyway themselves and don't necessarily actually want it. Because, and I do wonder at this point whether that's where technology and an ability to actually relate. I mean, a lot of kids are relating to their friends in this strangely indirect fashion. Yes, social media is great in many regards, but in other regards, it forces a sort of social connection without eye contact without a sort of face-to-face, although it's called FaceTime and things like that, sometimes they're in a room with people, but they're not looking at them and they're not reading their body language and they're not sort of observing the details of social interaction. And I think that that sometimes, I do think that there are problems that we encounter with our girls. I won't home in on them, but there have been many situations where I find it very hard to read you know, I've had it with Izzy and Flo, but I have found it very hard to read what it is they need. I feel that they need something, and I don't know how to get in well, there. Well, I, I would actually completely disagree with the psychologist on this, because the next question is kind of sim- similar. The next mm. mistake is, do you multitask? Mm. Now, if I sit, and sometimes I do sit down with the girls and say, listen, what is going on? I know, And I know they're a bit uncomfortable with it, but I will have tried 10 other ways to find out indirectly what's going mm. on. And sometimes you do have to pin them down and say, I need to know what's going on because everyone can feel it. The house can feel it. You're in a mood. You're upset. I can mm. hear you crying. I can do this. We need to have a chat and I can eke it out of them. Now, it's uncomfortable for me, it's unco- as a mum, it's uncomfortable and awkward for them as a child, but we do get there. And then I can always see that there's a relief afterwards after they've spoken about it. Now, a few days ago with one of the girls, I knew I needed to have a conversation with them, but I knew that they would be uncomfortable with me looking at them. Mm. So I purposely left stuff to do in the kitchen so that I could be doing stuff while I was asked. So I wasn't looking directly yeah, into yeah, their yeah. face saying... What is now? I think if you're always multitasking, yes, I'll fill the dishwasher, I'll do it, and never having a conversation with your child directly, that's a problem. But many, many parents will say that they get the most out of the kids and the the best sort of juicy information from them when they're in the car. Because you're not looking directly at them. Now, I don't drive. My thing is, I'm cooking. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I'm not looking straight in their face. I get all of my most sort of, if you like, intimate or meaningful conversations where perhaps one's revealing stuff that they want to talk about or are struggling with. I do get in the car. Okay, well, what about this as a question, though? I sometimes see the girls come down and they come in and I might be working and you might be cooking or working. And... They want to talk. It's clear that they want to talk about something and it's clear that they try and we haven't got time for them. And through no fault of our own, we've muscled on with whatever it is we're doing. And I've seen Maddie turn around and walk out because she feels that she's not getting, not in a stroppy way, I'm not characterising her like that, but maybe she she needs to sort of talk. Mm. But she she hasn't read the situation. Should should children, should you sort of have a protected time where you sit down and talk with kids? I think I think in an ideal world on paper, that's fantastic. Let's on a Tuesday at four o'clock. Mm. But I do think, I, again, this is quite good. You should be having a go at ourselves. Again, I think that we're really good at that because mm. sometimes we say, listen, look, we're really busy. And that is life. You know, mm. people aren't available to you 24-7. And they're going to, when they go out in the world, they're going to realise that. But we do always say, look, I'm a bit busy at the moment. We're finishing this. We're doing this and we're doing that. And then if you want to have a chat or you want to watch something, and we do always do that. We, we're very finely tuned to them needing us and wanting us. I think the chore element of that comment is quite interesting because I think that might be different for fathers and mothers of sons and daughters. So, for example, there have been times I always want to know as a father of daughters, I want to know if there's a problem and if I can solve it. I want to know if someone's being horrible so I can contribute. When we get into the nuance, into the sort of the finer details of such and such as friends with such and such, I hear sometimes your conversations. I sit there 
And I literally breathe a sigh of relief because it sounds like the most almighty chore. And I think it's all right to say that. I think it's fair to say that sometimes... But that's why I do that stuff, because I, for me, that's me, that's my skill. Yeah. I was always like that with your daughters, you know, is in flow. They would come round and there would be two solid hours of them oh telling God, me every no. detail of their friends. Yeah, and yeah, I would yeah. remember their names. Yeah, you were and I would great. Remember. Thank God. And, and I do the same with the girls and I can remember what their friends like and what they don't mm. and what they... So they're getting a proper in-depth conversation. Now, they have proper in-depth conversations with you about loads of other stuff. Yeah, that's true. So, so I think that... I do think that they're actually really... This is going to be a good podcast. Bloody hell, for us, this is right. This is positive. Who does it want it positive? We're kind usually, of getting... usually we get to the end of a podcast and we go, oh my God, we should never have had kids. We're Especially because we're so self critical. Do you think it but carves... I think, But I think one of, I mean, look at us. We're doing a podcast. We've got our YouTube channel. I'm a presenter. You're a director. What is our number one skill? Our number one skill is, is communication. One interviewing. Yeah. And it's communication. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I said to Maddie last night, we were having a chat and I said, darling, you know, can see you're not feeling great or you're feeling a bit, you know, t- tell me. And and she said, no, no, I don't want to tell you. And I said, Maddie, I have people, all sorts of strangers asking me on Instagram, on YouTube, on Loose Women, you know, it's it. And she went, oh, well, maybe that's why I can't talk to you. And I went, come on. And she went, no, actually, that's not true. No, she was joking. She was joking. She was trying to do that. And she and 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 I said, you know, this is what I do. This is what I'm mm. good at. You know, talk to me. Anyway, we ended up having a really good conversation. But I sometimes, yeah. though, but you know, it's funny because I I sometimes feel that the girls find it a potential chore trying to talk to me. I'd like to be able to. I'd like for them to feel that they can talk to me more about the emotional stuff. Yeah, we talk about films. We talk. But your about reactions art, are talk- too huge because they'll often say to me, "Oh my God, can you imagine if I was saying this to Dad?" Yeah. Because I want to run them over, I want to go, I want to do... You know, you go all like Yeah, but I haven't done that chest. for many years now. And that, and no, the, you do the, you know, But these days, when they... Do, okay, they so on like the, it. On, like oh, it. okay. Well, I that's what I wanted the... to check in with. Because on a few occasions where I really endeavour hard to kind of be really grounded and, and you always underline it, you always go, oh, look, Dad's really trying hard not to react now. And then I'm not reacting... It still doesn't get me anywhere. But they like, but they like it anyway. Oh. They like that difference of the gender. They 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 like that. I th- again, and I think that's something else, listener. I think we're as a family and as a household, we like to embrace the gender differences. I do think it can become quite stressful. And I have been in one of those households where there's almost this forced desire to pretend that neither one of you is either gender in this relationship. It's very odd. It's mm. very odd. There's a sort mm. of, no, we must be absolutely, uni- sort of, not unisexual, but it's kind of, there's mm. no gender definition to our roles mm. as parents. And sometimes I think there's I mean, a nice thing about equality. being a dad. We have equality. Of course we have equality yeah. because yeah. we're all feminists in this house. But I do think it's okay to have your gender differences. And yes. and, and I think the girls relish in that. And I yeah. think through that, the girls have learned a lot on how to talk to, I hear the way Maddie talks to all her male friends. And mm. she has a really good relationship with her male friends. And you can have bad and she mm. can be quite bossy and she can be all these things mm. because she's very comfortable with her relationship with you. So yeah. another pat on the back for us. Flipping yeah. it, guys. This is great. If you want to turn off because you're just sick yeah. of us smuggling. Well, someone, whoever fine. it was who said you need to do a more positive podcast, I bet you're re- regretting saying that now, aren't you? Aha, uh-huh. found one where we've went Oh, OK, here we go. Do you interrupt them? Ooh. Right, now I really want you to listen to this. OK. Because this is what we both do. Do you finish their sentences, laugh before they're finished or react in any way before they are done talking. You do that all the Hang time. Hang on, let's just listen to it. You all do it all the time. <laughs> in parents' desperation to relate to their teens, to be cool, 
or to demonstrate energetic engagement, remarks and reactions may easily come out forced and unnatural. Relax. View your teens as good friends. Why did you emphasize relax and look at me with arched eyebrows? No, no, I'm just, I'm just talking to you. <laughs> she acknowledges that although a relationship between adult friends won't have the boundaries and consequences present in a parent-teen relationship, showing respect and kindness towards your teen is as essential as it is towards a friend. Now... So, sorry, what's the original mistake there? So, um... So Duffy suggests parents remain silent as much as possible. My strong bias is to listen more, speak and interrupt less. Getting to know their world will diminish your parental anxiety. Now, Give me an let, me, let, me just, let me just say something here. I think there's a lot in there that we both do. And I think that we, I understand why we do it because yeah, teens are fucking impossible sometimes to get through to so sometimes when they do say stuff we both get overexcited oh that's brilliant oh did it and we want to be encouraging we want to be engaged and we want to know more about it and we want to find and then we want to give other suggestions but we're overzealous because we're we're over, so, yeah. that's what he says are you over injecting mm. are you overzealous because you want to be cool and you want to be and would you be like that with a friend well, kind Probably of. Probably would. Yeah. I think I am. When someone yeah. comes to me with something that they're really keen about, I've, I love I love seeing someone. In the, I, but is that quite what, what that's saying? I, I heard in that what, what that sort of mistake is, is that if they come to you talking about something that they like, that you don't take really... Over. Well, no, you don't just take over. You go into a, yeah, 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 that's cool, that's cool, without really listening to what it is yeah. that they're telling too you they like. Too quick off the mark. So if you're too quick off the mark, and they smell a rat. I mean, Maddie is particularly on this. Uh, so is Kiki. They smell a rat when we, like, we, we, you know, when they show us sort of funny clips on their phones, if they play us a piece of music, if they want to watch a film with us, they're like hawks. It's so demanding. They're like hawks. Where's mm. that come from? We must have done something wrong they're there. They're so demanding that we must be completely and utterly hooked. engaged and hooked. Yeah. And if we are not 100% present and if we don't know exactly everyone that they spoke about and everything, yes. they're very, they're very... Well, but... Maybe that's good because they know how to... I mean, it's not that they throw a strop or anything, but they they, they are able to read whether well, yeah, and, is... and the only reason I sort of leapt, and I was being affectionate when I said it, I don't want us to have a full-blown marital row in the middle of a podcast, but when I said, that's you, that's you, I'm just talking about when they start to talk about something that I know, because I know you, you've got zero interest in, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really... They know you're bullshitting. But I would give myself an enormous great big cuddle for that because you cannot win as a parent. No, because right. if you don't, if you just go, oh, really? And you're not interested. No, no, you're absolutely right. So sometimes you have to fucking fake it to make it as a parent. But then, you know, if you're not 100% acting to the absolute perfection, BAFTA award winning, then you're in trouble. Well, I think his suggestion, whoever Dr. Duffy was, whoever it was, said, saying you should stay quiet. I don't think our teens would tolerate silence for that long. No, it means really let them talk until, listen, don't interrupt them. Don't go, oh, that, that's great. Oh, I know about that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, let's all do that together. It's that sort of enthusiasm. You and you haven't got let them get to the absolute end of what they're saying. But going back to that thing, I'm thinking of other instances. Again, like you've said, you've been a fabulous sort of friend and stepmom to my eldest girls because you've sat and you've listened to, you know, way beyond what m many parents would, would listen to. You know, I certainly have never listened to either of my eldest girls in uh, uh, travails with friends and boyfriends in the way that you have do you think part of trying to finish 
or interrupt or pretend that you've got what it is a teenager saying sometimes is because you don't you you're worried slightly about hearing too much do you know what I mean as a parent sometimes you kind of like okay I don't want to actually know everything no or is it just because one's a bit bored and one's seen been through it before and knows no I, I just think I just think that there's some of that is in there like are you trying to be too cool and too mm. too excited because you're so excited that they're talking to you do you get a bit like overexcited? Do you, well, how how am I with the girls on that? Do, am I too? Do, do I am I fake? Well, it's not I... about two. It's about I think because you're very smart and because you know a lot of stuff, so they're never going to come to you with a piece of music or an artist or something that you don't already know about. You will get really enthusiastic because you love it. You love mm. people bringing stuff to you, and then you'll go and have you seen this and have you seen that and I, and you kind of like. You you gobble up. It's like, but sometimes I even find that myself because you're so smart. Like sometimes we'll be having a conversation and you can gobble up every possible permutation of how the conversation could go. Not in any way, in an unpleasant way, but just you're very very smart and your brain goes a hundred miles an hour. So I think sometimes I find that overwhelming, and I think sometimes for the kids it's overwhelming because it's like yeah and. And you can reel off 10 mm. other things in 10 other situations. And wow, it's just like, oh, OK. And so it takes it can take a bit of the wind out of their sails, I think, mm. sometimes. Oh. But it's not a, it's not no, a horrible no, thing. I'm just hearing you. It's not a horrible thing. <laughs> and, I, and I don't think you should overthink it. No. And I think it always comes, it's, everything's about intentions. Your intentions are great. But I think sometimes they don't know how to be them right. within that. You know, right. I think it's just about, oh, that's great. Oh, that's really... And just giving them the space mm. all around it. It's just because you get over-enthusiastic, you get over-excited. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Do you see that? Yeah, totally, I recognise that. So that's a really interesting one for us to think about. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, yeah. So next one. Do you press them into activities of your choosing or do you give them permission to pursue their passions? Um, and this is from a, a Coyle, an adolescent behavior Dr. Coyle, adolescent behavioral researcher. And he says, this is the time when adolescents question, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? Offering space and support for this exploration allows for a healthy identity to grow. When that space is not offered, an adolescent's identity may not have the room to fully develop. Well, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I like that he that I he addresses really this thing. It. And for teen, well, are you basically putting on them what you want them to do? Oh, are you allowing? Well, it's easy to just think of a pushy, pushy parent and go, "I'm not a pushy no, parent," no, because no, we no. tend to think of it as a pushy parent that's pushing them into, you know, in a really horrible way. But we mm. can do it in many different ways. Well, yeah, I mean, you can force an, an introverted child to try and be extrovert when they, don't, when they don't want to be extrovert. interest that they might not necessarily have. Yeah. Um, and he says, but he says, so instead of mirroring your own hopes and dreams, let your teens take responsibility for their own pursuits. And for teens who lack motivation, this is interesting for us, yeah. he suggests pulling the parent card and insisting that they get involved in something. Kids need this to balance out the social and academic stresses in their lives. Now, 
This is a really interesting one for me. And I think this is a really difficult one for parents of teens because it is the nature of teens that they become more apathetic Mm. and more like lying in their pit. Mm. And they become very self-conscious about new groups and new situations. So, you know, I like, like, I know, we know Maddie is a really good dancer. We know Mm. from when she was a kid, Mm. we would, we want her so desperately to go back to dance classes and choreography classes. Yeah, why have we given up though? Because she just, it just, she just, she's just become it's like trumpet. It's like trumpet that just that just disappeared. She's a great musician. She loves no, but her music. I think, but I well, the trumpet was always going to be a problem because she's a girl. It's like the way girls give up sports. She didn't like the way it was blowing. No, out but these are good. These are two really meaty, good sort yeah. of case studies of of when I look back at the mistakes we made. Going back to the sort of title of this chat. I do look at those two two things, if you like. You're right, she's a great dancer. She was a great choreographer of dance. She was a great trumpeter and a great musician. Now, on the one hand, you could say that both those pursuits have um, feathered her interest and furnished her with a passion for music in a broader sense, and that's moved into other instruments and um, and dance music and what have you. But I do look back and I do see it as a failure of will. I, I do... And I wonder what the listeners think of this. You know, I do look at that and I think, well, you know, we have... It was benign neglect on our part. Well, it was benign neglect, but we tried lots of different dance schools and they weren't right. And then we kind of... They were never going to be right. We did give up. But interestingly, she said to me the other day, and I said, oh, Maddie, you're such a good dancer. And she looked at me really kindly and Mm. softly and she said, Mum, I'm not that good. I was when I was little, but I'm really not. Right. And I was like, it kind of took my breath away because I thought... Oh, we still caught up in the four-year-old girl that used yeah. to twirl around. That's and that, con- that's, that's what he's saying here, isn't it? Are we mirroring, are we getting them to mirror our dreams? No, but I disagree. You see, I'd say that she's right to say that now, but is that not the consequence of her not having continued pursuing a, mm. a, a craft or a, or a hobby that she was enjoying? And I think that whole thing, you know, we've had it similarly with Kiki and swimming, you know, the extent to which we should push... You know, you, 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 it's a really hard balancing act. I mean, it's almost it impossible when you drill into that as a mistake. You know, to say, well, if a teenager's motivated in one area, you don't need to force them down your own roots. What if they're motivated in what you believe to be entirely the wrong area? Mm. Which is like, you know... A, well, a, that's what he's saying. He's saying, let them find, give them the space to find what their passion is. Mm. But if they're completely demotivated, you're just going to have to get the parent card out and say, right, come on, you've got this, this, this and this. So, you know, if it's, right, you know, I should be saying to them, do you want to go to dance classes or do you want to go skiing or do you want to go ice skiing or do you want to go horse riding? So why You've got to do one that? of those. I've tried 10 million times. No, I know. And I've tried, I've booked every single dance teacher in well, London. Well, there you go. We failed. We definitely failed on that. Definitely. But that's now the, the horse has bolted, literally. And there's there's another pastime that's gone, horse riding. You know, all these things. But I suppose, isn't it the nature of being a teenager? No teenager wants to necessarily do everything yeah, all the time. I think, like it's, with horse riding, for instance, with Kiki, she really liked it for a while and then she really bloody hated it. She suddenly mm. went, this is so dangerous and oh, I don't want yeah. to do it. And well, she got really she scared. But but I get that. And I, and I was like, I'm okay with her giving up that because it didn't feel right. I'm okay with Maddie giving up the trumpet because she want, she went to the guitar. The, and it, she's, yeah, yeah. So, so that is, if we'd, 
steadfastly kept going with the trumpet because we thought it was so cute and we loved the fact that she played the trumpet. Well, no, that would have yeah. been our, her us getting her to do what we felt was right. Ah, but a classic example of that would be like Maddie's passion is music and she's also a great actress. And we've gone, we've we've talked long and hard about the need for her to keep a multiplicity of crafts going. So not like most children, most teenagers, you don't say to them just do one course now, do two or three. That's mm. why they do two or three A levels and, and what have you because you're going to be honed down to a sort of finer skill in later life you know you could argue that if we'd just left her to her own devices the acting would have wilted on the vine and that would have been something else like a dance that further mm. down the way she could have ended up saying mm. well i was never actually very good at that but actually when she does it it's great it's about and the bouncing her, between giving her opportunities mm. you know yeah you've got to, i do think it's about for and you could argue that me forcing those opportunities in front of her more sort of actively because she's more naturally drawn to music you could say, well, is that not a case of me sort of actively trying well, to force her Well, I think what somewhere? we could say is we failed with the dancing, but, you know, when I found that that that, effort, that acting, two acting groups, the first one that she went to and the one that she's gone up to, mm. that she saw, I found both of those, and both times I went and spoke to her and she went, no, Mum, don't want to go. And we forced it and we pushed it and she didn't want to go and she didn't like it for the first few mm. weeks. And then it became, it's so important to her now, it's where she's got a friendship group from yeah. and everything. But with the dance, it went to the way. So you are doing this balancing yes. act yeah. the whole time. You know, I have been nagging her for the last year about having a guitar teacher and mm. I have not given up. I have mm. not given up. And then as soon as one came up, there was absolutely go bang in. Now she's going and she loves it. So I do think we do have to give ourselves a break. Where there are failures, there are also... I'm going to use an analogy, listener. I think being a parent of a teen is a little bit like being a jazz musician. There's a lot of improvisation, but there is a baseline to all of the music. And the baseline is pretty much going in one direction. But how you actually go off into your little solo kind of improv is, is dependent on your child and dependent on you, I guess, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Right, the last one, which I think we are both terribly guilty with. Speak for yourself. Uh, of. Um, um, <laughs> Let me be the God. judge. You you are the worst. Oh, come Do on. Do they leave the house with you calling out behind them? Remember, drive slowly, be safe, be text, be careful of the oh, area. Da, da, da. Right, what would you say about that, Mark? Well, the last time she went out, I said, make sure you don't get stabbed, kidnapped. If you see large groups of men, there's a lot of rapes and sexual assaults happening in the area. That's what you said to her as she went out. Yes, right. because I want her in the front of her mind to be alert. But do you not think she is alert? She's a girl living in South London. Her. It's not that I don't trust her, because I bet the uh, idea... But they, but this is what he absolutely ah. says. What they leave the house with is the thought that you don't trust Nonsense. them. Nonsense. Who That's is this says. moron? I agree. I totally disagree. I you agree. can express your... I have heard it said so many times. My nan used to say it to me. I'm saying this not because you don't necessarily know it, but I need to say it because I'm your parent. It's not that I don't trust but you. But we're needing to say it because we're wanting to ease our own anxiety. She grow She's grown up in South London. She knows all of this stuff. Mm. she's an incredible kid that she phones us even when we say don't phone tells us exactly what's going on so you, she always makes sure somebody's walking out we don't need to say this stuff to her every time so would, are you trying to tell me that you will never now say to either no, of your children I'm not oh, saying that I'm sure saying it's a struggle but I'm interested in what he's saying and I want to I want to interrogate myself with that well let's interrogate actually I am projecting when I say, you know, be careful, have a lovely time. I mean, I'd always say have a lovely time. Most importantly, the last thing I always say to is, but have a great time. Yes, yeah, so But I, I am going to be more mindful of saying be careful because she is careful. She doesn't need to hear that every time she goes out. Yeah, but maybe she's careful because we've said be careful a lot. Maybe if we hadn't said that for so many years, she wouldn't be careful. 
But now she's 17, we don't need to keep No, I think there comes a point. But to be honest with you, I disagree. Every time I speak to Izzy, and she's 26, I speak to her on the phone and she'll tell me what's going on in her life and, you know, whether it's kind of fun or it's a bit of excess or whatever it is. I will always come off, I'll always sign off with a, for God's sake, sweetie, always look after yourself, take, you know. Yeah, they like that because it's you taking care. And, And also I think it's a bit different coming from your dad. I mean, perhaps I shouldn't, give them an, an entire portrait of every worst bit of criminality they could encounter when they go out. Mm. I, I acknowledge that. I think that's probably not good. Um, but I do come from a place of, of utter care. And I do think, you know, again, it's the mother, father, daughter, son thing. You know, I think a father being slightly overprotective of his daughter, I think daughters quite like that. Mm. Do you agree? I do. Yeah. But I think there's a balance. Well, shall we hear what the I kid- think to shout out all the terrible things that have happened in the news that week isn't good. No, I've just I've kind of acknowledged that. I have acknowledged that. That's not good. Um, right, last one. Oh, sorry, I thought we were... I thought it was. I just realised I missed one. Um, do you try to force conversation too often? Sometimes parents try too hard. Mm-hmm. And basically he's saying, try and open the conversation by saying something about you. Oh, I had a bit of a hard day today. You know, how are you? But if I, I mean, say that, they don't say anything back. Exactly. They don't ask exactly. about your day. There's, we know all of this, yeah. but sometimes unless you say, right, tell What's me What's wrong something. with you? Unless you say, why is your face as long as that? And why are you looking so morose and miserable? What's going on? Come on, talk to me. If I said, oh, I've had a really weird day today and I felt really, it's like they'll nod. I don't really want to know. I don't blame them. They, they don't really want to know. Right, let's have a bit of a listen to Maddie and hear what she's got to say about all of this. Oh, Christ. Um, so, I don't, well, my mum and dad don't really, my parents don't really ever talk to me like I'm a little kid. Neither of them ever, like, patronising with the way they talk, um, with me anyway. Um, and I don't know if they treat conversations like a chore. Um, sometimes I feel like the whole talking about how I feel and, like, what's going on in my life seems more like something that has to be asked rather than it coming kind of, like, naturally. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily feel like a chore, but it just doesn't feel like, you know, I never want to talk about how I feel when I'm asked like that because it seems very, like, how are you feeling? You have to answer this. Not because they make it feel like that, but that's just, I don't really like being asked how I feel and all of that. Um, I mean, also the thing with my parents is they're always kind of multitasking. So if they're asking me something, they're probably multitasking whilst they're doing. I don't know. I don't really think about it, to be honest. We're quite a busy household, so we're always kind of doing loads of things at once. So it doesn't really um, phase me or bother me in any way. Um, But... I mean, with that comes a lot of, like... I mean, sometimes I feel like I'll talk um, to them and, like, because obviously they're very busy and they'll be, like, on their phones doing work and stuff, sometimes I feel like I'm talking and not being really listened to because they're doing, like, five other stuff at the same time. Um, But that's not their fault. Uh, But sometimes I feel like I'll be saying something and it's, like, nobody else is in the room. Um, And... uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel obviously this all these things are different for everybody, but something about me being homeschooled it doesn't really I don't really feel a lot of these things. Like, you know, my parents don't really force activities onto me. And if it is something 
like a forced activity, it's something to do with, like, what I'm passionate about. So not forced, but they just, like, encourage me to um, push myself doing this in doing this stuff that I'm passionate about. But I don't ever feel, like, forced to do activities. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean... I feel like the only conversation that my parents force are kind of when it comes to how are you feeling, how's life? And it feels a bit... Um, I don't know, because force doesn't seem like the right word because force makes it sound like they're forcing themselves to ask. I know they actually want to ask. But I feel like an answer is forced out of me and I just kind of don't want to talk. Like, if I was, you know... If I want to talk to them about how I feel, I will eventually come to them if it gets to a point where I, you know, really need to. But I don't know, sometimes I feel like when I'm asked about how I feel and how's life and how's your, what's your plans for your future, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like they want a certain answer. Um, and, yeah, that's how I feel about that. But I don't really feel many of those things at all. I don't really think about these things to be honest because they're not constant like every now and then I'll be like oh they do they're not listening to me because I'm talking to them and they're on their phone um and also when I leave the house my parents aren't that like on they're not constantly going you know where are you what are you doing uh call me take care of yourself don't forget your keys but I know I don't really think anything of it but then I see like my friends and they don't get messaged at all by their parents whilst they're out and then I'm like oh so embarrassing that I'm getting calls from my parents whilst I'm out with my friends um but I don't get it that much so I don't really I don't really think about it to be honest um but sometimes I get messages when I'm out with my friends and it's like please take care of yourself know that I love you very very much which is sweet but then I'm just like oh no stop um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, they're not, you know, there are some parents that, like, every five minutes they're like, so where are you going now? What are you doing next? Da, 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 da. And I'm really glad my parents aren't like that um, because that would stress me out. But my, my my friends' parents don't ever mess. Like, it's just, like, as they're leaving, it's like, OK, let us know when you're on your way back and then they won't do, there won't be any other communication. Um but, yeah, my parents, I don't know. I, I It must be partly with being homeschooled because I feel like homeschool kids parents kind of treat them as like one with them there's no like treating them like they're a child whereas a lot of my friends that still go to school even though they're older than me you know now they're 18 they're always banging on about how oh my parents treat me like I'm a child it's so annoying and I don't really get that because I mean we treat the opposite if anything we're kind of treated like we're our parents' parents. <laughs> we're almost treated like we're older than them. So I can't... Yeah, I've never really felt that um, from my parents. Whenever I felt that, it's usually teachers when I've been in school. And I hate patr I hate people when they're... Pat I hate patronising people. Oh, my parents aren't patronising. Um, so, yeah, I don't really think about any of these things. I think the one thing out of all of them is probably the sometimes because they're doing so much doesn't really feel like they're present in a conversation but as soon as I would pull them up on that then they would be like oh no I'm sorry but subconsciously sometimes they're multitasking that on their phones and stuff and I'll come down 
and it's like I'm not even in the room. It's a bit crazy, but I'm sure I do the same thing and all of that. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hide... I'm so sorry, listener. If we, if this is the most terrible podcast ever, but high, high five! five. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So just multitasking. Wow. Yeah, that's oh really, my well, God, it's a good day today. That's a good day today. It's a good day because so many other days are so shit. Two days ago, I was on my knees thinking about how rubbish we were. I think one of the things she said in there that was really interesting for me, actually, it was a little insight into I forever live in fear of how my children's par- friends' parents parent them. Because I worry about comparison, I worry about comparatives, I worry about how strict or not strict we might be, I worry about how unconventional and hippie we are, how weird and whacked out we are and all that kind of stuff. And it was really refreshing in a sort of schadenfreude sort of way there to hear her say that in a weird way the school system enforces this Mm, idea on parents of children at school Mm. that their children... It, so there's a constant reminder. And so I'm sort of just for a moment there, I'm just taking stock and going, I loved it thank the way God she said for the we're, fact. We're as one. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I was taking stock for a moment there and thinking rather proudly about this homeschooling decision we took and where the, the indirect benefits of it might not be, it might not be about a qualification or, you know, having passed a certain test at this level and all that shit. But what we have got there are two kids being evalu- valued and evaluated by us and treated as humans as all you know complete rounded humans i'm not saying that her friends parents don't do that but simply the act of going to school enforces this reminder in a a lot of households that you're a child and i'm a parent and that you observe certain behaviors and i don't and i do think that we in patting ourselves on the back we've achieved something very difficult it's not just something that we've done with ease because we agonize over this we agonize over the decisions we went into this talking about the mistakes not knowing i didn't know mm. any, any of the mistakes that you were going to list out not knowing whether we're always thinking that we've made mistakes we can always view whatever we've done with our children or parents as i could have done that better or i should have done that and i do think that sometimes you know we can let let ourselves off the hook and i think today right now is one of those situations yes isn't it? Fabulous. Kick Toffee in the side because she's snoring. That's our dog snoring. Toffee. That. Toffee. Toffee. Got a Stop snoring. Nadia's got a terrible toothache. We're now going to have a listen to Carlitos. It can be frustrating when a parent or an adult talks down to us or treats us like little kids. Um, we understand the parent's point of view and we know that we'll always be like babies to them. And that's understandable. But parents and adults have to understand that we are capable of thinking for ourselves and doing things for ourselves. Um, I don't mind if my parents multitask while talking to me, but my mum, uh, she won't mind me saying this, but my mum has this habit of like multitasking while I'm talking to her, but she'll become too involved in the other thing that she's doing and she'll not answer me or not listen. And that could be really, like really frustrating and really annoying. I don't think that my parents interrupt me or like laugh too hard. Um, I love it when people laugh as it means they're really happy and people can laugh as loud as they want around me and because it makes me happy and as for interrupting I, if someone interrupts me I'd wait to the end of their sentence and then just carry on what I'm saying if it's still you know if it's still relevant um, 
when I leave the house, my dad tends to just say like, love you, have fun. Whereas I get like interrogated by my mum, you know, like, have you got this? Have you got that? Who's going? Have you got a ride? What are you doing there? Who's going to be there? All this stuff. But um, that doesn't bother me because I am a very forgetful person. And she does know that it's very helpful to have like a checklist. And she, yeah, she, it's just, it's just coming from a place of care. She, I know she does it because she cares. Um, and that's what mums do, really. They're there to help and dads. They're just there to be supportive and there to help you and set you on your way. Oh, Very sweet. Oh, he's so Very sweet. sweet. Oh, well done, Lisa. You, that's, that's good. Yeah, you're yeah. doing the checklist. And clearly, uh, Carl, uh, Carlitos's dad, is the complete opposite of me. Yeah, go <laughs> out, have fun. I'm like, where are you going? What are you doing? What time are you back? da 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 da, da. It's funny, though, that in me saying that, even though Maddie didn't pick up on that, because I feel like I over-cosset her, you know, when, when she's heading out. Yeah. And, and she's Great. not feeling it overly keenly, is she? Brilliant. Yeah. So let's have a look at the social. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me <laughs> at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. We've got some socials here. So, um, Sally, 38, from Kent. My parents used to talk to me about everything from a very young age. Looking back at it now, I feel they used me as their confidant. Oh, dear. My mum was abused as a child, and she told me everything about how she suffered in specific cases of abuse. Later, she told me about marital problems she was having with my dad. This was all before the age of 10. And so I'd feel obliged to moderate their arguments. It got to the point where I was taking notes on key points in the argument and reading back to them to try to reach an agreement between them. In my adult life, you'll probably not be surprised to learn that I became a therapist. It felt like it was predetermined, to be honest. In my personal life, I've struggled with strong codependent tendencies and anxiety. I also had the childhood innocence taken from me. I didn't get the part where you don't realise the bad in the world and everything feels safe and fun. I can't really remember a time when I was able to look at the world as anything but dangerous and morally ambiguous. Um, that, that, in a weird way, is kind of how I remember my childhood. I do remember having to be the one that tried to fix adult problems. Um, and, and that's probably where my desire to fix things comes from. And I think that is a mistake, a big mistake that we can make as parents is to is to potentially pull your children in. Overshare. On a, or in on a side. So, I mean, like when and if we've had rows to then sort of try and marshal the sort of sympathy of one of your children by sort of saying, well, mum's being a bit like that or dad's being a bit like that. I mean, I think... I don't think we've done too much of that at all, if any. And well, every so often I've called you an ass. That's for to sure. the to the girls. Is it right? Art? It's being a right ass. Yeah, you see, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I'd see that as sacrilegious <laughs> somehow. And, and I think you. Well, you're I a better you, person than me. Well, I, think you, I think you clearly have fallen into the category of having made a huge mistake in your parenting. So that's fine. I, I'll take the moral higher ground there. Uh, you've got one from Don Forty Two in Perth. Hello, Don. Uh, This isn't the worst thing that ever happened to a child, but it's still something that I think about a lot. When I grew up, my parents both had high expectations for me. Study was a big part of my daily routine. It has served me well. I'm an aeronautical engineer now and have a fantastic career, although it came at the expense of my personal life. 
Uh, Mum and dad would not let me watch TV, join in with fads or really any popular culture. They saw, saw it all as a distraction from my future success. And so I don't have any of the cultural references from my generation or any of the well-known references from previous generations. When making friends, I've noticed just how much people enjoy sharing their experiences and reminiscing about movies, TV, computer games, and that they that they enjoyed. Oh, it makes me feel a little disconnected and lonely Mm. at times. I think there's a balance to maintain between work and play, something I've made sure of in raising my kids. Well, that's a wonderful example of how, because obviously your parents will have done everything with the best intentions, but always it's not always the best. But the fact that you are adjusting that for your own children is surely mm. the evolution you know that that's what i would say to the girls as long as you're a better parent than we were then you're doing good yeah you know and that's how it should go along the line and i think that's a really important thing to possibly end this chat on really is the idea that we all i mean let's quote philip larkin parents they fuck you up you know i mean they do and in many regards just as it's a rites of passage for a teenager to make the mistakes and go through the things that teenagers go through it's also a rites of passage for parents to kind of screw their kids up a bit too. It's always kind of viewed as a kind of negative, you know, it's part of being a parent. But in that parenting and in those mistakes, as we've been talking about, all you can hope for is never to make no mistakes as a new parent or as a parent, but to try and adjust, moderate, and perhaps undo the mistakes that were done in your childhood by your parents. And I think that's the best we can hope for. Mm. It doesn't mean, because I always think when I think about that as an idea, we talk about this a lot, that, you know, when you talk about your mum and I talk about mine and we think of things that we didn't like, we always use as a defence and an an explanation that they were trying to do a lot better than they, they got themselves. The trouble I have with that as a thought is that there's the logical end of that that will be in this idyllic halcyon age where no one makes mistakes because everyone's learning from everyone else's mistakes. No, because no. there's always a new individual. Absolutely. And a new, yeah, you're always, you're always gra- when you have a baby, it's a stranger. Yeah, yeah, it is. Your child is a stranger yeah. that you have to get to know. Mm. And, so, and th- so there will always be mistakes mm. with that. And in final summary, I think that is a really interesting uh, letter there from Don because it is such a difficult balancing act between knowing when to push and how far to push a child yeah. into something for their sake and how that sort of will ruin their connection or desire to be into something else. And it's a challenge for the parent to work out why are you doing this? Is yes. it truly for your child? Is it altruistic? Yeah. Or are you trying to get a second go at life? Yeah. So we've made virtually no mistakes in the context in of this, this particular chat. area. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. The quid's in. Let's yeah. sign off now. Ooh, let's have a coffee to celebrate. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>